Our sponsor for this episode is Vivid Pics. Do you have old family photos that have been passed down to you or that you've uncovered in your research? I know I do. Vivid Pics Restore is the perfect solution for touching up your family photos. This imaging software allows you to restore scanned prints, slides, documents, and digital camera photos in seconds. Fast and easy to use, Vivid Pics Restore takes the guesswork out of making your photos look their very best. Try it out for yourself for free. Visit vivid-pics.com restore to download the software and try it out for free on 10 photographs. That's vivid-pics.com slash restore. Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast. This is the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. And our theme for this August of 2018 episode is the best genealogy websites of 2018. And we are coming to you live from the Federation of Genealogical Societies Conference in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Everybody's milling around. It's lunchtime. They're going to come and join us here at the podcast. And we've got a great show for you. We're going to kick off this episode with a quick look at the events that impact your family history. And Ashley Peck is here to tell us what happened this month in history. And then the top genealogy expert at MyHeritage, Daniel Horowitz, is going to be here. And we're going to talk about three new releases at MyHeritage.com. In the DNA Deconstructed segment, Family Tree University instructor Shannon Combs Bennett's going to be here to talk about great websites for further analysis of your DNA. And then Ashley's going to be back and she's going to announce our new 101 best websites list. And then we're going to wrap things up with the Dean of Family Tree University, Vanessa Wheland, in for another segment of This Just In. So there is a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop this month in history with Ashley Peck. August actually marks the anniversary of the building of the Berlin Wall, which was actually put up overnight on August 13th, 1961. During the early years of the Cold War, the western side of Berlin was a geographical loophole through which thousands of Eastern Europeans were fled to the Democratic West. In response, the Communist East authorities built a wall that totally encircled West Berlin, and it was thrown up overnight unexpectedly on the 13th. For the next three decades, the city became the hot end of the Cold War as the world's nuclear superpowers faced off across the wall. Many families were separated by the wall, some of them for the full 28 years that the wall was in place. There are noted cases that you can read about of expectant mothers and fathers being separated by the wall, and their children sometimes not meeting until the wall fell 28 years later. In some cases, it was too late or too difficult for the children to really develop a relationship with their father. In some cases, many children and parents just never were really able to construct their family again after that. Um, A lot of families also ended up moving on and finding a new partner or starting another family. And so 
lots of big changes to the family structure of people that were separated. Additionally, genealogy research may be impacted by the wall by the fact that people actually began to lie about what part of Berlin that they initially came from out of fear of being separated from family or friends or just fear of um, authorities following them more or things like that. So this can lead to some misleading information in your research from that time period. So it's always important to kind of double, triple check your sources there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ashley. And coming up next in just a moment is our Social Media Minute. Now, normally this comes to you with Rachel Fountain, but she didn't make it to FGS. We miss Rachel. But coming up next is Ashley Peck. Right. So for our social media minute this month, we're discussing why you should follow your DNA testing company on social media. So if you've tested with MyHeritage, why you might want to follow them on Facebook or Twitter. So the number one reason would be just being updated anytime they post a new blog or make big announcements. Blogs from DNA testing companies give really great thorough explanations of updates when they make changes to ethnicity results, as well as new additions to different capabilities the websites have. They also are going to share really great stories and case studies that are just a great way to learn a lot more information. Second, you can take advantage of groups and communities. Many of the DNA testing companies have allowed their websites to have the group features or community features where you can interact with other people that have tested with your DNA questions. So it's a great place to crowdsource advice or ask questions of people that might be able to help you out. And third is just a great way to discover when there are sales or new genealogy record offers. So lots of times around the holidays, DNA testing kits go on sale or certain records might become free that aren't usually free to access. And so it's just a really good way to stay on top of what's going on at the moment. Joining me now in our feature segment is the head genealogist at MyHeritage, Daniel Horowitz. Now, Daniel is the liaison to genealogy societies, and he lectures at genealogy conferences just like this all around the world. He's here all the way from Israel, and Daniel Horowitz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for for inviting me, Lisa. You know, MyHeritage is one of the leading genealogy websites. You not only have billions of genealogy records, but you are really cutting edge in terms of the technology that you provide to genealogists to access the records. And of course, if you don't have access, it doesn't matter that you have records, right? Yes, of course. And not only that, but you need help in order to find the records because the records may be there, but it will take you a long time to find them. So with the good technology, we're helping people to find the right records for them. Exactly. I know I've seen several new releases lately, so I'd love to have you tell our audience what's new at MyHeritage. What are you doing to help make that access more uh, easy? The latest release that we did was the Ellis Island and Passengers List, where we combine not only the page where the person was coming, but also the name and the address where the person was going to. So you may have not known the relative coming from another place, but you knew that you have a relative here and you could discover people 
coming to this relative through Ellis Island. We also had the 1839 census of Denmark and the Swedish household from 1860 and 1930. But I brought you today a scoop for you and for all your audience because uh, we are about in the just couple of days, we're going to release more newspapers. We have been releasing newspapers from the United States Daniel, also. Daniel, my heart's going pitter-patter. <laughs> newspapers, I Yes, love it. definitely. So Virginia, Northern South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama are the next ones to come. Shannon's over there doing a happy dance about Virginia, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And then we also have something for the international crowd, Excellent. because the 1921 Canadian Census is coming to you. 1921? 1921, yes. I need that for my cooks. That's exciting. And the good news is that if you already have a family tree, you will not need to search because the record matches technology is going to alert you that we found those records for you. But you can still go into super search and you can still type the names and find the records right there. Take a second for people who are new to my heritage to explain record matching because that's really the power of the delivery and doing so much of the work for us. Definitely. When you upload a family tree, we take the information not only about that individual, but also the close relatives, the parents, the kids, the spouses, the siblings. So if you have a John Smith, it's going to be practically impossible to find the right John Smith. But that John Smith is probably the unique one that married a particular lady that had parents with particular names, that had kids with particular names, that makes that John Smith unique. And that is what helps us to go over the more than 9.2 billion records that we have and pinpoint your John Smith. So then you can just click on the record match, evaluate and extract the information with just one click all into your family tree with the proper source citation. Excellent. And I love this. It's going to be looking at context, right? It's not just an individual because we're all part of something bigger. Yes. And it takes that into it. Especially with the newspapers collection because you are not only learning about the facts, but about the history, the flesh on the bones Mm -hmm. that you can learn more about what your family relatives did in their times. All right, studio audience, who has a common surname? You got a a John Smith type person in your family, raise your hand. You must have a couple. Those people who just have those really common names. And it's the people around them and the locations and the time frames that make them so unique. So all you need to do is put your family tree on my heritage and then just let the technology work for you. Fantastic. Anything else we should know about? What should we look for as we first hit the website, myheritage.com? Where should they head first? Well, uh, we don't have our news on the web on the homepage of the website so you should go to the blog blog.myheritage.com right there every day we're putting more information like in your social minute that uh, you were just uh, uh, saying we have over there success stories we have uh, releases of new collections we have all kind of information useful information for people to do genealogy not only to learn how to work with my heritage you know it's funny i was just teaching a class yesterday and i asked how many people read a blog very few hands went up and i think blog has gotten kind of a bad name but really we're talking about a website where a new article is coming up practically daily yeah And this is from the people who know the site, who will give you the inside scoop 
help you really understand how to use it. It's worth the investment of time, isn't it? Definitely. And you can register it and just receive notifications every time that there's a new post out there. Does the work for you. Fantastic. Daniel, thank you so much for stopping by My the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Good to see you. Our sponsor for this episode is VividPix Restore. Now, this is the software that your family history photos can be brought back to life with. And joining me now is the co-founder of VividPix, Rick Voigt. Hi, Rick. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, we all have old photos that are faded, right? Starting to turn yellow a little bit. And restoring them sounds like a terrific idea, but we don't have a lot of time. Tell us what VividPix is going to do for us and how easy it's going to be. Sounds great. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having us over to say hey. What we've done is to create an algorithm that analyzes every photo and adjusts color, contrast, sharpness, and brightness all at once. So there are other great softwares on the market that might be a little bit more difficult to use. What we tried to do is to take a page out of what George Eastman said many years ago, you press the button, we do the rest. So literally, it's a one-click fix in order to be able to improve all your old documents and images, and then easy to use fine-tuning if needed. Fantastic. So if you get the software, you put it on your computer, you import or open up the first photograph, and I know I did this with a photo of me at graduation in the, in the early 1980s. And it was very kind of dark and faded. It gets kind of yellowy. And you just click that one-click button, and I saw a bunch of different pictures show up. Explain how that process works. Everyone sees lightness and contrast a little bit differently. So the program will analyze the photo to determine what needs to be improved. Again, color, contrast, sharpness, and brightness. But because everyone sees lightness and contrast a little bit differently, the computer's thinking that the the fix would be the middle one, but now we create that ring around that middle one in order to be able to choose the one that looks best to you. And that's what's most important, is to make it look best to you. I was amazed almost every time. It was that center one that I went, yeah, that's really the best one. It was like the photo looked when we first took it. That's what really amazed me. Tell people where they can find VividPix Restore and how they get this software for themselves. So our website is vivid-pix.com. You'll see that we sell three different softwares, Land and Sea, Land and Sea Scuba, and Restore. So simply select Restore. And uh, we offer a free trial of our software, so you're able to download a full version of the software, uh, Mac or Windows. It fixes JPEGs or TIFF files. I mean, you get 10 free fixes. And so we want people to be able to say, well, I see how cool it looks on the website. I see how easy it is on the website, but I'm from Missouri. You know, show me. Yeah. So we give you a free trial and fix it, and hopefully you'll love it. Yeah, absolutely. And the speed of it makes it really easy to integrate into your daily genealogy life because you're already scanning the photo. You're already pulling it up. One more click and you're there. Rick, thank you so much. And I absolutely encourage everybody to check it out. You will find the link to Vivid Pix Restore in the show notes for this episode on the website. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Lisa. Now it's time for DNA Deconstructed with Shannon Combs Bennett. Hi, thanks for having me here again today. This month's DNA Deconstructed segment is about websites. And 
I have a very short amount of time. You know how hard it is just to pick a couple to talk about? There's so many wonderful DNA websites out there for analysis. So I chose to pick two for my brief little three-minute segment today. So first, how many people, I hope everybody listening has heard of DNA Painter by now. It came out this last spring. It's a great free program that you can use where you paint a chromosome with, as you identify segments for different ancestors, you then paint them on the chromosome so you can make a map of how your DNA has been inherited through various family members and over time. For a visual learner like myself, that is great. You know, I can see it, I can put my ideas out there on a piece of paper virtually, (laughs) on a computer screen, and really be able to play with DNA in a way that we haven't been able to before. But there's also another feature on that website, and it's something I think is really great because people get confused about, well, what does it mean I share this many centimorgans with somebody? okay, so does that mean I'm their cousin or their second cousin? Or you're giving me an idea. They actually took Blaine Bettinger's shared chromosome map and you can insert the number of centimorgans you share with a match and then it highlights the chart for you to show all the different people that you could possibly be related to, what that a centimorgan amount means. So I was just blown away by that. That is a great way to explain to family members especially how you're related or how a match is related or how you're descended from the same person. So I found that absolutely fascinating and think everybody needs to go check that out. The other one I found is actually a plugin for a Chrome browser. And it's something, it's been around for a few years, but I I don't know how I missed it. It's called Pedigree Thief. Has anybody ever heard of Pedigree Thief before? It shows up as a little tree wearing a mask. (laughs) And what you do is you go to various websites like Ancestry, MyHeritage, Family Tree DNA, and it does two things. First, if you go to a page that has a family tree, it will download all that information from the website and create an ontoffel for you. I know. Wow. Yeah. And then if you go to your matches page on the DNA section, it will download all those matches that it sees on that web page into a CSV file for you, all ready for you to do spreadsheets. And if you know me, you know I like spreadsheets. So I'm just like kicking myself that I never knew about this before. (laughs) But it's really great and it's very easy to use. You just go out to the Google Play Store and you download it for free comes up on your toolbox and you know that the website that it's it will be used on the website because it'll go from a grayed out tree with a mask to a color gray with a mask and that's all I have for you today thank you so much Shannon Combs you're welcome construct I appreciate it. and I will see you in just a few minutes at the genealogy gems podcast I will be back thank you you're welcome It is that time of year, time for the brand new 101 best websites list for your genealogy. And to tell us more about it is Ashley Peck. Hi, Ashley. Hello. We look forward to this (laughs) list all year long because not only do you kind of bring us the ones that have been around, what they have new, but you're also delivering up several to the list that we haven't seen before. Exactly. And we also try to switch up our categories every year too. So we change up kind of how we're dividing things up and we add a few new categories each year. So this 
list comes out every September in our magazine, and then we also publish it on our website as well. Um, if you've already received your September issue, you've probably seen that the list this year is called Getting Googly-Eyed. I don't know about you guys, but do you think that online genealogy really was existing before Google or really anything online? At least if it was, we weren't finding it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so today, 20 years after Stanford University PhD students Larry Page and Sergi Brin incorporated their now ubiquitous company on September 4th, 1998, it's hard to remember online life without it. Sure, there was Yahoo and Alta Vista for web searches and Cindy's List, which is still on our top 101 sites for genealogy links. But Google and the endless stream of tools that have been introduced since then have changed everything. In honor of Google's remarkable two decades, this year's 101 Best Websites look at online genealogy a little bit differently. So not only what the websites can do for you, but how they came to be. So whether they are commercial big dot-com giants, um, nonprofit.orgs, online extensions of libraries, archives, things very American-centric or military, so that would be our new Uncle Sam category, or the next Google or Facebook. Whatever their origins, our new 100 sites, plus, of course, Google, can supercharge your research and make you wonder how you ever got along without them. And in addition to the September list in the magazine, you can also find these online pretty easily. We've just updated the site to include them. So anytime you log on to our site, there's a black header across the top, and there you can locate our best genealogy websites page. And then if you just head over to that page, we have a drop down where you can select 101 Best Websites 2018, and that's going to have all of the sites there, as well as any other categories we have them separated up into. And you can always get descriptions there, links to the pages, and a peek of what their homepage looks like. So we hope you love this year's list as much as we do. Fantastic. Well, everybody here can visit Family Tree Magazine. They're right next door. You've been our neighbors throughout the entire conference. You guys are very good neighbors. And you have issues of the magazine over there, which I have been so excited to have my new column, Lisa's Picks, in the magazine. That's been so much fun. And that's one of our very favorite ones. So it has Lisa's adventures and favorite things, and it's just a great time to read. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, thank you. at the Federation of Genealogical Society's 2018 conference is, of course, a treat, as is having a live audience. So how about this? You guys give yourself a round of applause. Come on. But of course, not everybody can get to a live conference in person. Well, no worries, because our own Vanessa Wheeland is here, and she has a solution for you. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. And as you can see, I've brought Shannon with me. We have the opportunity to do this live, so we can have two people here. So the tip I wanted to share from the virtual conference, this is a little bit of a sneak preview, is in Gina Filibert Ortega's presentation. She's going to do one on 10 records you didn't know to search for. One of the records she talks about is passport records. Having just found my great-great-granduncle, his passport record, it was an amazing find. I didn't expect to find it. He actually moved over here from Wales, immigrated, but because he was naturalized, he needed a passport to go back to France. 
So that was a great tip. And with Shannon here, she's a moderator. One of the things I'm looking forward to is she's doing a live Q&A on applying your DNA results to your paper trail. Go figure, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what is one of the most common questions that you actually get about this? Oh, gosh. You know, there are so many questions that you get frequently from people who are either getting just started into DNA. And one that we see frequently come up are, uh, well, first, what do I do now? Right. But also, how can I take this information and really use it? So I'm hoping that by coming to the live Q&A, we can explain to people how they can analyze their data better, how they can share that information, how they can contact matches or possibly sugar talk people into taking more DNA tests. And this is all happening at the Fall Virtual Conference. Now, Vanessa, tell us really quickly, what is a virtual conference compared to what we're doing today? Well, the best thing about it is that it is all online. So you can do the conference in your pajamas. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Bunny slippers, too. Exactly. There are 15 recorded presentations, our live Q&As, and you can work the conference. You don't have to choose between presentations. You don't have to choose between Lisa's or Shannon's. Uh, You can watch them all, and you can do that in the order that you prefer. So you just go online. You can sign up. September 21st is the day it starts. That day, everything will be available, and you can download the presentations as well so that when it ends on the 23rd, it doesn't end for you. You can keep watching. You can refer back as often as you want. Well, you know what happened to me here at FGS was I was teaching a Google methodology class, and they shut the door and turned people away. That doesn't happen at a virtual conference. So check out the show notes for this episode of Family Tree Magazine Podcast. This is the August 2018 episode, and you will find a link to the virtual Family Tree Magazine Conference. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.